Hey, Mom Nation, welcome to our From the Heart podcast, where we share inspirational stories, useful information, and we discuss a wide variety of women-related topics. While you're listening to this episode on your favorite podcast platform, please subscribe to our channel and rate us so that we can get this information out to the moms that need to hear it. If you'd like to join the conversation, we are at Mom Nation USA. That's our handle on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the very last episode of 2023, uh, episode of From the Heart, actually. So if you follow our channel over on Mom Nation USA, which is our handle for YouTube, or if you follow Mom Nation Talk Radio on your favorite podcast platform, you will know that we have several different shows that go through those channels. This particular one is From the Heart, and we talk with women that have inspirational stories that have risen from the ashes that have come through things that they needed to have major breakthroughs in order to get to the other side and be the amazing, successful humans that they are. Without further ado, we have one of those amazing, successful humans with us right now. This is her second time on the show. This is part two with Kay. How's it going, Kay? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing good. Thank you so much for being with us. Yes. No, thanks for letting me come back for part two. I'm excited about that. Heck yeah, heck yeah. We need to have our bowling star on to talk more. So how are you holding up through the holidays? Good, good, good. Just getting used to all that stuff and Christmas. And now I'm doing Elf on the Shelf this year for my son. Something gets it. So it's a new thing for me because before he was too little, but it's good. I actually really enjoy it. It's fun. May the force be with you on that one. So (laughs) we did Elf on the Shelf for a couple of years. Um, My son is a little older now, so he kind of understands that some of the magic of Christmas isn't necessarily so magic. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you know what I mean, it's mom and dad. But it was funny because over the years, like we would, you know, the first year is super fun with the elf and you do all the crazy things and it's, it was really fun for us. And then like the second year, uh, maybe I forgot to move them once or twice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we had to like make something up in the morning. Uh, I don't know. The elf was tired (laughs) (laughs) or something, you know what I mean? So. It's it's fun though. It's really cool, especially when they're littles like yours is. Yeah. Sweet. Well, good luck with all of that and happy holidays to you and your family and yeah, to you guys you. out there, our listeners and followers. Let's dive right into it. So if you guys remember from part one, um, and if you don't remember, I actually have the link in the show notes to part one with Kay. And Kay grew up as a child in the foster care system. And she shared quite a bit with us in episode one about what that was like for her and the different families that she lived with and and kind of her experience through that. And she spoke a lot about the resources that were available to kids in the foster system that she took advantage of. And I really wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that, Kay. Um, Could you talk a little bit about those resources that were offered? And and I'm assuming that, you know, you're an adult now, so things maybe have changed a little bit (laughs) over the years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, sure. So like I said in previous, um, our previous conversation, they do have a lot of resources, but it's all really up to the person that like me as the person in foster care on whether or not I wanted to take advantage of those resources. Like, in some instances, you know, you have those guardian ad litems, which are like I mentioned before, were like the people that talk for the kids in the court system and different things like that. And as long as you use that resource and you don't look at it as a sense of like 
something else you have to do or why do I have to do this or be angry? Because a lot of times there's a lot of resentment and stuff like that when you're going through situations in you know, the foster care system. And as long as people understand that they're not really there to like cause you problems, they're really there to help. But it's really up to you if you want to be the person that's actually going to take the help. Because gotcha. that's really what it matters. If you if you don't want it, then nothing that we say is going to matter. But if you really want to be better, and that's like your goal is to actually be something and not be a statistic, then use what you have essentially at your disposal. So for me, I, there was a bunch of different programs. So I was in foster care, and then I got in trouble, and then I basically went to like little girl jail. Um, and actually when I left from there, they actually have what's called, I actually looked up cause I was talking to the lady that I told you last time about letting me drive her car and I still <laughs> talk to her and she actually works for the state of Indiana still. And so the program still exists there, but it's called the yes program. And what that is, is it's called a youth employment services. So essentially, or empowerment services, depending on which portion of the program you're using. And basically what that does is they get in, you meet somebody and they have all these options for you. They help you. They have different programs where they'll let you get interview clothes. They have programs where they can help you get a GED. They have programs where you can apply for scholarships. And if you're in foster care, there's so many scholarships that you can get if there's something that you enjoy. Because it's basically free money. Like when I say that, the government does have a lot of money that they spend towards that. But the people that actually use it is really less than what you would think. And so a lot of that stuff goes to waste. But really, that's how you, you know, you use those resources. Sometimes it's kind of when I want to say annoying, right? But it's like you have to submit an, an, an essay or tell them a paper, give them a paper on why they think you deserve it. And what do you want to go to school for? And they ask like your current grades and different things like that. But if you really are truly interested in doing it, then they give you all the stuff that you need. I mean, through the program that I was with, they helped me find a job. I actually got interview clothes. Like they send you to places that are partners that are like um, uh, like the charity kind of partners. They do charitable work with the state or whatever. And so they'll send you to those places and it's like nice suits and like dress shoes. And so it's really like they really help you if you really want to be something. So I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely use that. I think that was really what it was for me because once you go there and if you're with somebody who is really doing it because out of the goodness of their heart, they really want to make, you know, kids realize that they are worth something and they can be something and they're not just doing it for whatever they're actually doing it because it does mean something to them. They do go above and beyond to help you. So it's just like, if you're lucky enough to find that person, don't consider them as a burden because at the end of the day, they're really going to be more of a guardian angel. I mean, that was, I got my GD when I was 17. And so that was 20 years ago for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I still talk to those people to this day. I still talk to some of my teachers that I had when I got my scholarship, when I was going to um, a community college there, I still like, I still have all these relationships because as an adult, you, you do look back on those in retrospect and be like, dang, because people will ask you like this, this particular podcast, like, what do you think about what was it that really, you know, got you where you are? Like, why are you so independent? Why are you so strong? Why do you feel like, you know, this is what you want other people to see? And so that's. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you built relationships that have continued for decades. That Mm -hmm. is really powerful. And I feel like it speaks a lot to the connection and speaks a lot to the, um, the people that you had around you. So they really truly did care because Mm -hmm. if they didn't, why would they still be in touch with you? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So are there any, and, and I love that they help with getting a job and GED and, you know, skills for interviewing and stuff like that. But what about more on the mental health side? Are there resources as far as that's concerned? Oh, yes. That's like automatically included. So when you, in different different aspects of the foster care system and the what's considered the youth reentry system, like even if people go to prison now, like as an adult, if I was to go to prison, they have those programs that are available for people to use to really use that to make those extra steps. Like pe- they want to help people re-enter if that's really what they want to do. Like if that's not what you want to do and you want to be in the cycle, then that's your choice. But the options are there. So yes, they do actually provide those things. And it's kind of like a part of like the package, right? It's like, oh, well, do you, they'll ask you like your, whoever your support system is or the person, they'll ask you, do you think you need this? Do you think this is beneficial? And even if you don't want to do it, they still require you to do it. Sometimes they'll actually require you to go through um, like a mental health evaluation or a psychologist evaluation when you're asking for certain things or when you want to apply for certain things, just so that they can make sure that what you're asking for is legit. Is it extra red tape? Yes. But if that's really what you want, then spending, you know, three hours over three weeks at the end of the day is going to make you a better person than it would have been if you didn't do it. It's just, is it annoying? Yes. But hey, sometimes you got to roll with the punches, right? It's like, yeah, not, not everything's actually like, here's your silver platter. Like you have to work for it if you want it. Which I think is a great training for being an adult because I mean, what is it that we don't have to work for? You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I had to work really hard because I, because I work in technology and technology is, is mainly male. Right. And I had to work hard to prove that. And to me, it doesn't bother me that I have to go above and beyond what a Steve would have to do because I know at the end of the day, I know what I'm talking about. I understand you need to make sure you know what I'm talking about. And so I don't, that doesn't bother me. It's just something that I expect and it's fine. And if not cool, but I don't have a problem doing it if I have to. So you had mentioned um, with my first question that there are some things that you don't have to take advantage of if you don't Mm -hmm. want to. Is there anything that's required that you, that if you're in the system, you have to go through as far as resources are concerned? Um, I, they do require certain things. Like it might be what, like, as soon as you get out one evaluation or an evaluation, if you need something or, cause a lot of times when you are a part of the system, like for me, essentially, I basically aged out is what it's called. Right. So okay. like you're in the system till a certain time and then you age out. If you want to get out before you do have the availability to do that, but they do require you to do certain things. So for me, I just, I just kind of rolled it, right? I rode the system in the sense of, I know I have all these options available to me, like to the point where I was 17 and I lived in my my own apartment. And there was one month where I was in between jobs or I was struggling or whatever I was doing because I had bought a car and I had to go through what's like in the state of Arizona, I'm sorry, in Indiana, it's like, um, it's an assistance program for like your bills, like kind of like access essentially in Arizona, but it's a state government funded program. And if you can show them that like you have a job or you have this or you have that, then you can use it, but it's not a requirement, mm-hmm. right? It's just one of those things. Like, is that what you want or not? If you just, if you don't want to age out, right? If you age out, just go with it, do what they ask, do what you got to do. It's only till you're 18. And then they essentially at that point, like for me, I was 18 and they just was like, okay, she's not a part of this anymore. She's fine. Um, but like I had mentioned before, I was still technically 
under the care of a foster parent for that last year, even though I was on my own. Mm-hmm. So like from 17 to 18, I actually lived in my own apartment and I paid my own bills and I did all that stuff by myself because I had proof of employment and I had all those other items. So I was able to get an apartment at that time, but I was still, you know, apart. And then I, it was just over. And then one day my foster mom at that point messaged me and was like, Hey, I got the letter, you know, you've been aged out, just wanted to let you know. So, you know, going forward, et cetera, et cetera. Got you. Now, it, the statistics for kids, you know, teenage teenagers mostly, um, but but even younger kids, unfortunately, are alarming as far as addiction um, is mm-hmm. concerned. Did you find, and I, and I assume that the foster care system isn't exempt from that. Did you yeah. find that there were an alarming amount of kids that had um, that unfortunate experience of having addiction issues? Um, I did, but not in my immediate circle of the, the, the foster homes that I was a part of in reference to where I was staying. So I did see that a lot in reference with like other kids at school. And like a lot of times when you're in foster care, they do these like holiday parties and these other sort of things where they make, they allow the foster parents to bring their children. And you can really see it like in those sort of instances, like you can kind of tell like which ones aren't really you know, they, they haven't really got over it. And a lot of time, the unfortunate portion is that's just trauma. Like they right. can't get over whatever their trauma was. And so they never can get out of that loop. And it right. sucks because there's nothing, unfortunately, like as much as me or you or anybody wants to help somebody, if somebody is not mentally ready to face their traumas, like they, they just, and some people just can't because they just, they literally, like they just don't know how to deal with it. And it sucks, but it's, it is something that you do see. Yeah. It's easier to numb it, medicate it than yeah. to deal with it head on. No, I get that totally. Yeah. Um, are there some resources for help in terms of addiction within the system as well? There are actually. Yeah. So if you're a part of these programs and you start running into problems, if you tell the, the people that you're working with, like this is, yeah, you may not know about, but this is what I'm, they do provide you with the resources to go to classes, right? A lot of times they always make you start with like a class, right? Like an AA or an NA or something like that. But it's more of like from a, it's not an adult perspective. It's more of like a child, more controlled environment. It's not like you just go to a church and you're in a meeting with 12 strangers, right? Mm-hmm. It is very controlled. It's like you meet at a facility that is, maintained by you know the the department of health and safety for whatever state you're a part of and that person is actually certified that would have those conversations with children that are your age that you can discuss that with and some people just don't want to do the groups but they do allow you to do the individual sessions as well so yeah it is a it is something that is available that's nice and i like that they give the option because i can see how some people might be more comfortable being in a group where they don't need to speak. They can just kind of observe, just sit back and listen. I can see where that would be more comfortable. And then I can see the other side of the coin too, where they do want to speak and share and maybe feel a certain level of shame or um, mm-hmm. just, you know, they're just Insecurity, having those kind of yeah. icky feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What's your personal opinion on the resources that were offered to you when you were in the system? Um, me personally, I would never say a bad thing about it only because my mentality going into it 
was I'm going to use it. I'm going to do it. I need to be something. You know what I mean? I want to be a first generation graduate. I want to have a good job. I want to, I want to be successful. I want to have a career. I don't want to be a number on a sheet. That's like, Oh yeah, this was one of those. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like that. And then even through like my personal family life and like, even after all that stuff happened, there's a lot of addiction and there's a lot of things like that in my family individually that I personally completely like separated from. Like I still have family members now that are actively in addiction and they will never stop. I mean, to the point where like one time <laughs> TMI, but to the point where one time like SWAT was at one of my family members houses because of, you know, so like yeah. there are situations where like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be that person. And I, and, you know, looking at it now with all the therapy and the things that you learn and, and different kind of coping mechanisms, you can see why that particular family and in, in member was the one that was succumbed to that because they're more of an enabler, right? Ah. They just want to make you feel like you're okay. They just want to blah, blah, even if it doesn't matter what it affects to them or their relationship or their, you know what I mean? Yep. It's more about them making sure. And a lot of times that's like a mother to son or a mother to daughter or dad to daughter kind of situation. It's not so much like cousins and stuff like that, but it is still something that is very, that it, it does actually happen a lot. And so I enjoyed it because I knew they were there. And if I had a question, I asked, like, you don't know if you don't ask, if right. there's something you want that you just don't know if isn't available, you would be surprised at the people that are on your side that know other people that might know someone that might know some, you know what I mean? There's the, the network in that, in that area of like the judicial system that we have is so large. Like you just have to know that you can ask the question. The worst question you ask is one that you don't ask. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the worst thing you could do is not ask the question because all they can tell you is no, but you're not any worse off than you were before you asked because you didn't know anyway. Mm -hmm. And it, that makes so much sense. And so you attribute, I mean, obviously you are who you are and you're a strong person and you're an intelligent person, but you attribute some of your success to the resources that you took advantage of in the system. Oh yeah, for sure. And I also, and I think I mentioned the last time I also had, a, a, we're gonna a boyfriend that was like 10 years older than me okay when yeah. I was way back then okay 20 years ago but that was also like that for me though I had a, a aside from the the I don't know like the goals or the the grandiose other people thought I could be in that notion I had someone else that I trusted that wasn't a part of that that was there to kind of tell me you got this, man. You're good. Like, okay, you need a ride. Like, what do you need? Do you need me to buy you some shoes for this job? Like, it's all about being able to have, you know, just that, you know what I mean? It's, it's outside of the bubble. And I do think that was super imperative for me because I don't trust people. I don't like you. I'll tell you anything you ask me. And I'm, I have like a sorry, not sorry mentality. Like I will ask, if you ask me a question, I'll answer. But I'm, if you don't like what I have to say, then it's not going to bother me, right? Mm -hmm. But I understand that sometimes that's just how it is. And that's okay. It's totally fine. At the end of the day, like, we'll come back around in the circle. If you need something, we can have a little powwow, right? So it's, it's nothing is ever, like, too far past the point where you can get items completed that you really want to, that's a goal that you want to set for your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I... I've had enough t time with you and had enough conversations with you to know that what you just said is exactly how you are. <laughs> and it's awesome. I have to 
I have to say. Um, so what did you do after once you aged out? Were the resources offered enough or did you seek additional help or like kind of how did that unfold? Um, so after I aged out, I was on a scholarship and in the scholarship that I had at that point in the um, uh, that time range, I, the scholarship I had was like an LGBTQ scholarship where you apply for it and they give you, you know, whatever thousand dollars is and they do it every year. Like they actually do that here. So here in the state of Arizona, it's actually called like the Phoenix Pride Scholarship. Oh, and cool. so people can go in and they can go and they can apply for these scholarships and they ask you letters and you have to provide some documentation. But that really helped me like after, because I got my first degree before I even applied for that scholarship because being a foster child, you are covered. Your, your, your college is covered. You don't pay for it. Oh, you just say, I'm a call. I'm like, I'm part of the state. They give you some paper, you go, and then you get a college degree. Like that's, it's very, it's, I say that in simple terms, like it's really simple, but it is almost that simple. Like if it's there, if you say, I want to go to college and you have your GED or your high school diploma, then all they have to do is say, okay, here's the document that says you're part of the state. You have a scholarship. We'll go there. And then you have to apply for like financial aid, essentially through the government, but it's all free. You could, because you're a foster child, you don't pay for it back. Like in those instances, like during that time, obviously afterwards and you age out after 18, you are required to do like the PLAs or whatever kind of federal loans that you need to apply to complete after that. But actually, so I have two degrees, which I completed in about six years. I have an associates and a bachelor's. And out of that six years, I um, the unfortunate thing is I moved here. And so I was considered an out-of-state resident. And so my uh. tuition was double for the first year. But for me, as an example, I have $20,000 in student loan debt, but that's it. And I have two degrees. Like nice. there are people who have that after one degree, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're not smart with your money, because a lot of kids, they'll get money like, hey, I got money. Let's do this. Like my thing was like, you get the money, you pay for your school, and then I'm paying my rent right for six months. So I don't have to worry about, but I'm still working, but at least I know I have that security system, but that was just something that like I set in play. That wasn't something someone's like, you should do this, but that's how I used it. And that's how, like, that's essentially what I used that $20,000 for between both of my degrees was, Hey, I'm going to pay six months of my rent. Cause I know I'm going to get this $2,500 or, you know, back then rent was cheap. Okay. It was You're like right. $700. Okay? Right. <laughs> I had like a two bedroom duplex for like, I think it was $900 with a garage. Okay. Yeah. So Dang. that was a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and so I used it for that. I used it. I paid rent. I did these things, you know? And so I think that that was like important for me to do because I know you only get so much, right? It's not forever. Right. You just have to be smart and make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. Did you tap into any other type of help and like in terms of mental health or anything like that? Um, after I aged out, no, I didn't actually, because when I was in the foster care system, I actually, at one point in time was in what's considered, it's called charter is what it is called. You know, I don't, it's not open anymore, but they have different facilities that are like residential facilities for behavioral kids with behavioral issues and stuff like that. And those, those ones were the ones that kind of, that I used that, that, um, time to get that help, right. To get that, to go through that, to work through that. Like I'm in a controlled environment and no stranger is going to come in here. If I know, if I have to say something, I know this door is locked behind me. Like you can only get in this door if there's a badge, 
you know, so it was more of like a, for me, it was like just trying to understand, like, I wasn't the problem, right? That mm-hmm. That's what it was. Because like, a lot of times when you go through sexual abuse trauma as a child and different things like that, it, especially if you're a girl, it makes you very much feel like you're the problem or yep. you did it. And yep. the truth to the nature is it was never your problem. You are not, you didn't do anything. You're five, you're six, right? I mean, mine probably was from like six to nine in different aspects and stuff like that. But like, I'm six, I don't know what that, I don't even know. So like right. at the end of the day, you just have to understand that it was, that's what it was for me. The key was, it's not you. And if you can let go of the fact that you can really understand that sometimes people are just sick and people can't help themselves. Like it's just a disease. It is a legit thing that you can't fix. And there's nothing you could have done to make it any better. That is when you really are able to like kind of heal past that because that's when you really understand, you know, there was nothing that you could have done or anyone else could have done to change the outcome of what happened. Yeah. That is such powerful good advice. And I love your delivery because it's so like, well, that's what it is. And it's, you know, and move on. And it's true, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of, sometimes it's a little coarse. I know I'm a little harsh sometimes, but because again, because I've went through all that time. And so the emotions are not there for me because I've worked through those and I understand it. You know what I mean? Like if you would have caught me 15 years ago, we may have been had a different conversation, Right. but now that I've matured and I've gone through these phases to me, it is kind of like that. You know what I mean? I get it. And I, I know it. And so it's okay for me to say, and it doesn't bother me because it allows other people to understand that. Yeah, it sucks. But guess what? Like, I'm still here. Like, we're all still here. It's cool. Like, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, that's kind of what it is for me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like you're safe now and you realize that there, it was not your fault then. And Mm -hmm. I think there's just so much growth in that statement. Yeah. You know, and I, and I try to look at, I had this really weird mentality. Like I try to look at the glass half empty instead of half full and just sidebar. I was getting a tattoo done a couple, a couple weeks ago. And I was actually talking to my tattoo artist and he asked me, he said, Hey, all the time people have said that I never understand it. Can you explain it to me? And I explained it just like this. I said, look, if the glass was empty, what would it be? He's like, nothing. And I'm like, if you broke the glass, what would it be broken? Well, if you look at it, like there's water in there, you can hydrate yourself and you'll be okay. Like, it's kind of one of those, like, oh yeah, you should have more, but you could have nothing. Mm -hmm. You could be someone you see on the street or something that has absolutely nothing, but you have five sips of water. That's more than what somebody never will have or doesn't have now. And so when I explain that to me, he's like, oh my God, that's the best explanation anybody has said to me, because I guess I, he never really looked at it like that either. Like, I didn't look at like something is better than nothing. And I, and he's like, that's what I think the, the power and the statement is something is better than nothing in, in that particular reference. So that was sidebar, but. No, I love it. And he's right. You have a gift. Your delivery is amazing. And it kind of simplifies complex things. And mm-hmm. so I appreciate that. And I know that our followers and listeners do too. So last question for you. What advice do you have for kids that are currently growing up in foster care? Um, I think the best thing I have to say to the kids in that instance is it doesn't last forever. Like it sucks right now. It's going to suck really bad. 
and you're going to hate yourself and you're going to hate everybody else and you're going to be happy and you're going to be sad and you're going to like people and you're going to hate people and you're I say hate in the word is like that's how you feel that's the emotion you feel as a child or as a somebody who is unable to really process what that emotion really is and it's not actually hate it's something else that like hate always boils down. It always has a different, a different like child to it, right? Like people use that as one group, but really there's always something below it. And people just use that because they don't really know how to put their words in to explain kind of what their problem is. So I use that in that sense, just so that it kind of resonates with, with kids that would re you know, hear this. Right. But it's that. And if you have the resources, use them because at the end of the day, those resources we're paying for them anyway. And I, and I say that in like a, we, I mean, a collective, we, right. We pay the government, we pay our taxes, you know, those are still things that people are already paying for that are already available to you. Are there hoops you have to jump through? Yes. Are there things that questions you might not want to answer? Yes. But guess what? At the end of the day, it, it all is worth it at the end. Like, look at me, I have two degrees. I, I'm a project manager in IT right now. I have a four-year-old son. I mean, I, I, and I live on my own and I do my own things and I'm very independent. And if like I was in a relationship with somebody today and we broke up tomorrow, I would still be okay. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, being able to, to protect yourself, but also being with other people or in other situations is really important because at the end of the day, if you don't have one, you only have yourself mm-hmm. like that's, and you have to, you have to like, own it too. Like, no, if you're having a bad day, no, if you really don't want to talk to this person, but also if you're in those situations where you're meeting people and you really ain't feeling it, tell them that too, because especially psychiatrists, okay. They will ask you forever and ever and ever. And they're like, so how are you feeling today? Okay. So how's that make you feel? Okay. And so what do you think about that? But like, if you just tell them straight up, I know you're asking me all these questions and I just am not feeling it right now. A lot of times they take that and they'll talk about other things, right? You have to be able to speak for yourself. Yeah. If you don't use your voice, you're, you're mute. Nobody understands. Nobody can help. Nobody can talk through it. You know what I mean? It's your voice is so powerful, regardless of age, sex, gender, race, religion. It doesn't really matter. Your voice is what makes the difference. If you Mm -hmm. don't use it, what's the point? Mm Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. And thank you for that. Um, another thing that kind of came up for me, and you can confirm this perhaps, is that there are people in the system that are there to help you and truly care. Yes. Yes, for sure. Right. And like, I can imagine how isolating and how lonely it may feel to be going through, yeah. um, you know, this kind of thing without family, without siblings, yep. without these true connections, but there are some people now I'm sure there are some people who don't quite fit this description that, that mm-hmm. work in the system, but it sounds like the majority are, are really truly care for the, and really have a big reason to be there. Yeah. Cause think about it. Like teachers, teachers don't teach if they don't like kids. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like I, for me, I love my son. He's the best thing since sliced bread, but I don't think I could teach four and five-year-olds all day because I don't really have the patience, right? Right, right. So like, but I feel like people who actually go into that, like that's what they do. That's their- Their superpower. Their their thing, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And so it sounds like you developed some close relationships with some people 
that were helping you out. And my assumption is that that was very helpful for you at that time. Mm -hmm. For sure. So reach out. And that's what I'm hearing you say, reach out to the things that are available to you, reach out to the people that are available to you, because that's simply going to make you stronger. That's simply going to help overcome the, the struggle that honestly, we all deal with as we move into adulthood, regardless of what we went through as children. I feel like it, that transition is such a struggle mm-hmm. that it, that if there are resources there that are available to you and people who care that you can tap into, take it. <laughs> yeah. I use it very much in the sense of like, when it comes to like bonus money or, you know, free stuff you get from your job. Like if you don't use it, you lose it. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of one of those things. Like they give it to you. Do you want to use it or not? Because some people are going to use it, but are you going to be one of those people? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again yes, for yes, bearing all you. for answering every question because there weren't that many questions, girl. They, they weren't that bad, were they? Yeah, no, they were fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome though. And I so appreciate it. You're such an inspiration. Everybody just, just wait, you'll, you'll see Kay in a bowling center near you because she didn't <laughs> mention it, but she is a competitive bowler. Can you just like give us a little snippet about what that is and how you got into that? And um, I you're such a badass. Uh, I actually started out with my aunt uh, when I was little, little, there was a bowling alley here when I lived with her that we started. And then I actually moved back here and I was volunteering at a horse ranch because I have a a connection with horses because my aunt had them when we were growing up and we always had three or four of them. And so I was actually volunteering at a ranch and one of the girls I was volunteering with, I actually saw this bowling at this old company that I worked for. We were going to start a bowling league. And so she actually was one of the people and I wind it just wind up working out that I saw her at the ranch and I saw her at bowling. And then that was probably... Um, let's see to th- 13 years ago, maybe Wow! like 13 years ago was when I, I moved out here in 2010. And so like, that's kind of when I was like, oh, this is fun. You know, like you meet people, you hang out. Some people are more competitive, some aren't. And I'm going to be honest, like I, I did it kind of, and then I didn't, and then I did, and then I had my son. So then I was really off for like five years. Cause my son is four now. And then when I came back, it was kind of like, my mentality was, do I want to do this for real? Or do I just want to kind of do this? Because doing it for real is it's way more, I'm very competitive by nature to me. Like I like put me in with the dudes, let's play some basketball, let's play some football, let's get on some video games. But again, that's just part of my personality because of the field that I work in. Right. So like, I'm, I'm ready to get in there. I don't care. I'll pull my sleeves up. We can do whatever we got to do to make this work. And it's very, and it's very interesting also in, in the, in the, friendships and networks that I've built, even in bowling, that the people are really that like, they'll help you if you ask, if they're having a bad day, probably don't ask them because they probably literally, I mean, like, I literally have a friend, his name's Jacob Buttrip, and he actually bowled on Team USA. And he is a professional bowler. I mean, and he makes a ridiculous amount of money per year. And he coaches at ASU for the college kids and you know, all these things, right. And so like, he's a really good source of knowledge just for me. And I like that because I know when I'm when we're going to bowl or whatever, I know we're bowling competitive, even though we're hanging out as friends. Mm-hmm. And so, and he's, like I said, since he's such a great use of knowledge, I use him a lot to like, just take stuff from my own game. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. Okay. I would take that, like stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's good. It, it's fun. It's, it's a very, 
I like, I'm not scared to go somewhere that makes me uncomfortable. I'm not scared. Like, even if I don't think I'm the best, I'm still going to do it because for me, it's about the experience. You don't know what you're going to learn or not learn about yourself or other people. If you don't put yourself in situations where you're not hundred percent comfortable. And so for, for me, I own that all day long. I'm like, I'm going to do so bad right now, but I'm going to do it because if you do bad, the whole point of it is you learn something. Right. If you, it's, it's like anything you do, it's practice, not perfect. Right. You always learn something if you pay attention. And sometimes that's all it takes. And that's why I do it to me, honestly, because it's, it's very much like it's a constant learning experience. And I like that I can always learn something new about myself or about the items that I have in reference to my equipment as I'm doing things. And you, sometimes it's just a bad day and that's all right, because guess what? You'll come back tomorrow. I mean, like I was, I did a bowling tournament a couple of weeks ago. I had a really bad bowling tournament score. And then I went to league and I got like my highest scratch score that I've ever gotten. So it was kind of one of those things that I do bad in the tournament. Yes. Horrible. However, you overthink so much in tournaments because you're trying to be better. You're really about trying to cash. You want to make money when you go to league. If it's not a competitive league, none of that stuff even matters. And it's just muscle memory. So you're just, you know what I mean? You're just killing it at that point. Right. And so that's, to me, that's what it's about. It's always about that constant. It's never perfect. You always learn something. And so that's why I enjoy doing it. Um, and there's so many nice people that are a part of that community. And you learn so much about people. Like you learn the difference of certain people. Like somebody can smile in your face and make you think like they're like the, the happiest person in the whole world. But if you do enough tournaments with them and you become their friend, you really understand that they're not really that happy at all. Mm. And sometimes, and sometimes they just do it because they don't want to be alone or they're feeling down. You know what I mean? And it's like, for me, when I do those competitions, I try to make it fun because we all don't want to be here. This is stressful. Oh my God. But I want to crack jokes. I want you, you know what I mean? I, yes, you got to be lighthearted about it because if you get so upset, you get too upset. And then you just get basically blindsided by the fact that you're angry and you can't, you know what I mean? You can't really do anything, you know, right there. Cause you can't get past that. Right. Get out it's very of it. laser focused. Right. So yeah. I don't know about to a bowling center near you, but I do actually plan to do um, USBC Queens this year, which is nice. actually like a national tournament. I don't know how I'm going to do, but I'm going for it because that's kind of like when I started back bowling after I had my son about a, like when I started back about a year ago, a year and a half ago, it was, I want to get to the point where I can do it just so I can, do I care that it's $500 to enter and I have to be in another state for five days and it's five different patterns? Nah, not really. Cause for me, it's about going to the other state, being in that situation, doing something different, being in the moment. Like I'm, if I do it once and I do good, cool. If I do it once and I do bad, so what, guess what? I still made a goal. The goal was to do it. And I did it like, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like same thing with the 15 K I just ran on Sunday. Dang. I didn't even <laughs> know about that. Yeah, Arizona does a hot chocolate run every day and uh, I'm sorry, every year. And my best friend's wife does it. And she's an Olympic ice dancer, a retired Olympic ice dancer. And so she likes to do it every year and we go do it. And we did it yesterday. We did 9.3 miles in one hour and 38 minutes. So it was Dang. like a 10 minute, a 10 minute, 15 second mile or something. But it's so much fun because it's like you have someone to do it with. And it really like, I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable because it's very uncomfortable physically to run right. 9.3 miles, Yeah, but it, it's, it's fun. It's about, you know, I do it really because at the end I get like this cute little medal that's, you know, la 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 is $85 to do it, whatever it's once a year. But like, 
that's what it's about. It was a goal. I wanted to go in there. I wanted to do it like this year. I wanted to do a sub 10, which is mean run a minute per mile lower than 10 minutes per mile. And I had it until the last mile and my body was just, my body just kind of gave out. But at the end of the day, I was okay with that because guess what? I still finished. I could have just not finished at all, you know, and the girl exactly. that, I, that I, the girl that I was running with, that was her personality too. She's like, I don't really feel like doing this because she has to do some like Christmas ice dance shows because she still does that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And she's like, I don't really want to do this either, girl. And I'm like, but we got to do it. So it was, it was fun. It was good. It's, I, I, I enjoy doing those things because it really tests you mentally and physically. And it really helps you realize, like, regardless of how hard you think it's going to be, there's always a finish line somewhere. You know that's what right. I'm saying? Like, that's, that's right. kind of, that's, that's another reason why I do it too, because there's always an end. I love it. You're so inspirational. How do you bowl with those nails? Uh, well, actually this hand is shorter. So like, oh, if that's you look at this hand, they're funny. very long. <laughs> and so this hand is actually shorter for my bowling. Yep. Got it. That makes <laughs> sense. I'm like looking at those things and they're gorgeous and very festive. Yeah. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, how in the world does she swing a bowling ball with those? And things? it's funny when I go to the nail salon, the nail ladies at the nail salon always ask my nail tech the same question. Why are her three fingers shorter than the rest? And I'm like, I have to be pretty because I got to, you know, this is my thing. Like, you know, as you grow up, you have your thing you do for yourself. My nails are my thing. Like that's my, my monthly, like kind of splurge on splurge. myself is yeah. to do my nails. That's it. And it makes me happy. They're fun to look at. It makes other people happy. They get it. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes that's what it is. It's, oh my God, your nail is so cute. Is that Rudolph? Oh my God. Yes. Like something little like that makes a big difference to some people sometimes. You know what I mean? And that's what it's about. Like I can do what I want to do. Right. But if something I do makes somebody else in a better mood or does something to kind of lighten up, then psh, whatever, let's do it. Like, Heck, it's yeah. Fine. And I love that you're um, also attending to the self-care aspect, because I feel like a lot of times, especially as women, we're too busy taking care of the job and the household and the kids and the things. And we, <laughs> and we put self-care on the back burner. And yeah. I love that you've identified that nails are your thing and they make you happy and they're a great conversation piece. So they make you a little bit more social. I love that you've identified that and you allow yourself that monthly splurge. I think that's mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. So here she is, Kay, with two degrees, master <laughs> competitive bowler. <laughs> she is amazing in her, in her male dominated industry. And she went through the foster care system as a kid, guys, and she had her things just like a lot of us have our things. But listen to her mindset and listen to how she powers through those obstacles, those hard things. And she reminds herself as an adult that she's here and she's safe and she's in control. And I think that's giant. So thank you for sharing that with us, Kay. Yeah, no problem. You are absolutely amazing. Again, if you guys want to check out our first episode with Kay, that part one, I do have that linked in the show notes Watch here. It. <laughs> Watch sports part one first, <laughs> as we're saying at the end of part two. That's okay. <laughs> Do you ever do that though? Do you ever go and like watch the sequel of a movie first? Yes, and then yeah. you're like, well, now I have to watch the first one because yeah. I'm, I'm missing so much information. Mm -hmm. So definitely check that out because she dives into her personal story, which I think is just as inspirational as today was. So thank you again, Kay. 
Hop on yeah. over to our YouTube channel. It is at Mom Nation USA. That is our handle. You can scroll around, check out all of our shows. Our From the Heart playlist is the very first one that you'll see on that page. And that is where you will see Kay's beautiful face right there <laughs> in that playlist. If you are more of the podcast type, pop on over to your favorite podcast platform. Do a quick search for Mom Nation Talk Radio. And that's where you can connect with us. Do all the things like follow, download, rate, notify all of that stuff, and you will never miss an episode. Thank you again so much. And I'm wishing you all an amazing holiday. Happy New Year. Bye.